Welcome to your Tuesday edition of Transformation Radio. Jeremy North, 
I grew up in a, uh, in a broken family, uh, alcoholic father, uh, used drugs also, very controlling man. Um, moved in with him at the age of 11 when uh, he had forced me to actually call my mother and tell her that you know, I wanted to live with him, and even though I really didn't want to, that's how much he was controlling me. Pretty much spent my whole teens under his thumb trying to gain approval, you know, figure out ways that, you know, I can earn a way into his heart. Um, and come to the age of 16, I figured out the only way to do that was through drugs and alcohol. To start drinking and start smoking weed with my dad was the only way I could actually catch his eye and catch his attention. And after that, you know, it was just everything was good. And, for a couple years, and then, you know, once I kind of started to back off a little bit, the relationship kind of went downhill again, which uh, just made me even more depressed and turned to alcohol and drugs even more. And spent most of my 20s drinking and just doing a lot of pain pills, a lot of cocaine, just wasting away a lot of good years, getting more and more depressed and getting more and more just trapped up inside myself, bottling up all my emotions. Um, at the age of 31, I actually uh, I overdosed and I actually died from drinking alcohol and uh, doing Xanax and sleeping pills. It was at that point that you know I kind of had an epiphany to just you know try and quit, but at that point I still couldn't. I turned away from alcohol and went straight just hard into pain pills, real hard into pain pills, burning every bridge I could. Hurting my family, hurting my friends, every relationship I was in, I just you know, completely ruined it just from my selfishness and my greed. and Just nothing good came out of the decisions I made. Then I uh, come to about you know, 34 and 35 and I just was still doing drugs, still doing pain pills, but the more I did them, the more I hated myself and just the guilt got so unbearable that you know, I ended up just eventually stealing from my all my family. Anyway, I could get money to get more drugs, I did it. Uh, eventually, you know, my biggest biggest thing is, you know, I sold a six-year-old's toy so I could get drugs. It was just really just broke my heart. And there at the end, I ended up finding myself living in the woods for a couple of days and just really talking to myself, trying to figure out what I was going to do. And you know, I came to my, myself that, you know, this was not the life for me. I wanted something different. I wanted to change. I'd heard about the refuge. I wasn't really, you know, into it at first, but the more I thought about it, you know, I just thought it was a really good idea. So I came down to the hilltop church and sat through orientation. And once I listened to that orientation, I knew it was for me. And since I've come to the refuge, I've turned into the man, and instead of blaming God for all my problems, I'm praising God for all the blessings I have. Uh, just since I came to the refuge, it's just been so great. The love that, that you feel at the refuge from the brothers, from God, from the overseer, just from everybody around you is just overwhelming at times. You just truly don't know how blessed we are until we actually sit in the light and actually see what God is offering us. So to all you brothers down there at first phase right now, just keep your heads up. This stuff is uh, it's real. God's love, it's, it's awesome. You just got to open your eyes, open your heart, and open your ears. As we begin to look into the passage we'll be narrating in the New Testament today, we'll see that whenever we find ourselves feeling justifiably angry about someone's sin, we should be very careful 
We need to speak out against sin, of course, but we must do so in a spirit of true humility. Often the sins we notice most clearly in others are the very ones that have taken root in our lives. If we look closely at ourselves, we may find that we are committing the same sin in more sociably acceptable forms. For example, one who gossips may be very critical of others who gossip about him. We'll also see that it's easy to mistake God's patience for approval of the wrong way we're living. Self-evaluation is difficult, and it's even more difficult to expose our conduct to God and let Him tell us where we need to change. But as Christians, we must pray constantly that God will point out our sins so that He can heal them. Unfortunately, we're more likely to be amazed at God's patience with others than humble at His patience with us. And as we read on today, we'll see some verses that are a scathing criticism of hypocrisy. You know, it's much easier to tell others how to behave than to behave properly ourselves. It's easier to say the right words than to allow them to take root in our lives. Knowing God's will, however, does not excuse us from doing it. Do you ever advise others to do something you yourself are unwilling to do? Make sure your actions match your words. Don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. We'll also see that if you claim to be one of God's people, your life should reflect what God is like. When you disobey God, you dishonor His name, and people may even speak evil of God because of you. What do people think about God from watching your life? And with that, let's begin today's Bible reading. July 14th, the New Testament, Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 24. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself for you who judge others do these very same things, and we know that God, in His justice, will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But He will pour out His anger and wrath on those who live for themselves who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. When the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed even though they never had God's written law. And the Jews, who do have God's law, will be judged by that law when they fail to obey it. 
For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in His sight. Even Gentiles, who do not have God's written law, show that they know His law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts, for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. And this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. You who call yourselves Jews are relying on God's law, and you boast about your special relationship with Him. You know what He wants, you know what is right, because you have been taught His law. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God. For you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it is wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you use items stolen from pagan temples? You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say, the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. Today we're reading in Psalm chapter 10, and we have some questions here. First of all, does God hide? Why do the wicked prosper, it asks? That's a perennial question that uh, God's people ask they consider the suffering of the godly and the security of the ungodly. They feel that God has forgotten and forsaken his own people. He is hiding. Next question, does God hear? Well, note the repetition of, he has said in his heart. God hears what the ungodly say and does not approve of their pride and rebellion. The ungodly announces, I shall not be moved. God does not see what I do. Even if he does, he will never judge me. Oh, boy, what incredible arrogance, huh? And the final question is, does God help? Well, of course he does. He sees the trouble of his people, feels their grief, and helps them in the right way at the right time. After all, the Lord is king. It may look as though the ungodly are winning the day, but I guarantee you the Lord will triumph in the end. Psalm chapter 10, verses 16 through 18. The Lord is king forever and ever. The godless nations will vanish from the land. Lord, you know the hopes of the helpless. Surely you will hear their cries and comfort them. You will bring justice to the orphans and the oppressed, so mere people can no longer terrify them. Proverbs chapter 19. Verses 8 and 9. To acquire wisdom is to love oneself. People who cherish understanding will prosper. A false witness will not go unpunished, and a liar will be destroyed. Lord, help me walk another mile, just one more mile. I'm tired of walking all alone Lord, help me smile 
Another smile, just one more smile You know I just can't make it on my own I never thought I needed help before I thought that I could get by by myself With an humble heart on bending knee, I'm begging you, please help me. Come down from your golden throne to me, to lowly me. I need to feel the touch of your tender hand. Remove the chains of darkness. Let me see, Lord, let me see Just where I fit into your master plan I never thought I needed help before I thought that I could get by by myself With an humble heart on bending knee, I'm begging you, please help me. With an humble heart on bending knee, I'm begging you, please help me. Thank you very much.
Good morning, everybody. This is Steve Kemper. Uh, I just want to shout out to Jake Fink. Jake, I just want to tell you how proud I am of you for your commitment to God and commitment being committed to restoring your life. I uh, just know that you've lost two good friends this week, and for you to stay committed and just go on, I affirm you, you know. Um, there's something that came to my mind from our readings that we've done every day for the past seven months. And I want to read that to you. And that is, uh, Jake is firmly rooted, built up, established in his faith, and overflowing with gratitude. I just wanted to say that because you are, you're firmly rooted, man. You're like an oak tree. You took a hit, man, and you just, you didn't shake or anything. You're still standing, man. And that just, that amazes me. I just thank you for being who you are, Jake. Keep it up. Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Don Anderson uh, down in Vinton County. And uh, just wanted to bring a devotional to you all this morning. And uh, got quite a bit of scripture here to read in this particular devotion, but uh, I kind of need to read it in order to really make the point. But uh, I'm coming to you from 1 Kings chapter 13, uh, starting at verse 1. And uh, it reads... At the Lord's command, a man of God from Judah went to Bethel. Arriving there just as Jeroboam was approaching the altar to burn incense. Then at the Lord's command he shouted, O altar, altar, this is what the Lord says. A child named Josiah will be born into the dynasty of David. On you he will sacrifice the priests from the pagan shrines who come here to burn incense, and human bones will be burned on you. That same day, the man of God gave a sign to prove his message. He said, The Lord has promised to give this sign. This altar will split apart, and its ashes will be poured out on the ground. When King Jeroboam heard the man of God speaking against the altar at Bethel, he pointed at him and shouted, Seize that man! But instantly the king's hand became paralyzed in that position, and he couldn't pull it back. At the same time, a wide crack appeared in the altar, and the ashes poured out just as the man of God had predicted in his message from the Lord. The king cried out to the man of God, Please ask the Lord your God to restore my hand again. So the man of God prayed to the Lord, and the king's hand was restored, and he could move it again. Then the king said to the man of God, Come to the palace with me and have something to eat, and I will give you a gift. But the man of God said to the king, Even if you gave me half of everything you own, I would not go with you. I would not eat or drink anything in this place, for the Lord gave me this command. You must not eat or drink anything while you are there, and do not return to Judah by the same way you came. So he left Bethel and went home another way. As it happened, there was an old prophet living in Bethel, and his sons came home and told him what the man of God had done in Bethel that day. They also told their father what the man had said to the king. The old prophet asked them, which way did he go? So they showed their father which road the man of God had taken. Quick, saddle the donkey, the old man said. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he mounted it. Then he rode after the man of God and found him sitting under a great tree. The old prophet asked him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? Yes, I am, he replied. Then he said to the man of God, Come home with me and eat some food. No, I cannot, he replied. 
I am not allowed to eat or drink anything here in this place. For the Lord gave me this command, You must not eat or drink anything while you are there, and do not return in Judah or to Judah by the same way you came. But the old prophet answered, I am a prophet too, just as you are. And an angel gave me this command from the Lord. Bring him home with you so he can have something to eat and drink. But the old man was lying to him. So they went back together, and the man of God ate and drank at the prophet's home. Then while they were sitting at the table, a command from the Lord came to the old prophet. He cried out to the man of God from Judah, This is what the Lord says, You have defied the word of the Lord and have disobeyed the command the Lord your God gave you. You came back to this place and, and ate and drank where he told you not to eat or drink. Because of this, your body will not be buried in the grave of your ancestors. After the man of God had finished eating and drinking, the old prophet saddled his own donkey for him. And the man of God started off again. But as he was traveling, traveling along, a lion came out and killed him. His body lay there on the road, with the donkey and the lion standing beside it. People who passed by saw the body lying in the, the road and the lion standing beside it. And they went and reported it in Bethel, where the old prophet lived. When the prophet heard the report, he said, It is the man of God who disobeyed the Lord's command. The Lord has fulfilled his word by causing the lion to attack and kill him. Then the prophet said to his sons, Saddle a donkey for me. So they saddled a donkey, and he went out and found the body lying in the road. The donkey and lion were still standing there beside it, for the lion had not eaten the body nor attacked the donkey. So the prophet laid the body of the man of God on the donkey, and took it back to the town to mourn over him and bury him. He laid the body in his own grave, crying out in grief, Oh, my brother! Afterward, the prophet said to his sons, When I die, bury me in the grave where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones, for the message the Lord told him to proclaim against the altar in Bethel and against the pagan shrines in the towns of Samaria will certainly come true. So, that was quite a bit... Uh, a passage there to kind of take in, but uh, the point I really wanted to make out of that is that you'll notice with the prophet that he started off very well, and uh, he he went to Jeroboam, Jeroboam the king, and proclaimed the message to the altar uh, that the Lord had told him to, and uh, you know God used him mightily. There were signs accompanied by it. The altar split open just like he said. Jeroboam, the king's hand was actually paralyzed when he tried to actually have him uh, arrested. But after that, he was going to leave, and Jeroboam told him, you know, hey, stay with me. Let's get some some lunch together. And he told him, I can't do that because the Lord told me to specifically do not eat anything or drink anything here and, and go back uh, another way from the way that I came here. So the Lord had given him these specific directions about what to do. So he left and uh, he went home another way. And on his way home, this old prophet uh, came and met him because he heard uh, from his sons that he was coming that way. So he came and met him and told him, to, you know, come over to my house because uh, an angel of the Lord uh, told me to come and get you to, to get you to come over to my house so we could get something to eat. So he basically deceived the prophet, and uh, the prophet disobeyed the Lord to follow this prophet. 
So he went back there, he ate, and uh, while that was going on, the older prophet gave him a word from the Lord saying that, you know, because he had disobeyed the Lord, uh, that there was going to be consequences because of that. So after the the man of God had ate, he he mounted up on his donkey and went to go home, and it said on the way home, a lion actually attacked him and killed him. So the point that I really want to make out all of that is that, you know, this guy, he was used mightily by the Lord, and the Lord had given him specific instructions about what he wanted him to do and what he wanted him not to do. But in this little thing, he disobeyed the Lord. And because he disobeyed the Lord, he actually ended up losing his life to this lion. And, you know, to us, it seems like that, man, that is really crazy, you know, that uh, the Lord would do that, you know, just because he disobeyed in that little thing uh, that he would lose his life. But really, that's what the passage is saying happened. And I think how that relates to us is that every little thing that we do matters. Uh, a lot of times we're, we're tempted to uh, really pay attention to doing the big things that we need to do. But a lot of times we like to slack in things that we consider small, uh, the little secret sins. Uh, and we want to hold on to those things. But what we don't realize is that those little things can kill us. Uh, just, a, you know, for instance, while you're here at the refuge, you know, smoking a cigarette, tobacco use, uh, you know, that might seem like a really silly thing. But, you know, if, if you're to get caught while you're here at the refuge, then you can be dismissed for it. And, you know, if you're dismissed, who knows what could happen after you leave here. You might go back out, get into some more trouble, some more foolishness, and you may end up losing your life over something silly like that. Um, you could go through the, way, the refuge all the way through it and go out there and say, oh, it's, it's okay just to take a, you know, drink one. It's just a little thing. And uh, before you know it, you're drunk, you stole a car, you go wreck it, and you end up dead. Um, so the little things that we do has a big impact. And Jesus said, whoever is not faithful in the little won't be faithful over much. So every little thing that we do matters. And God sees everything that we do. And we have to learn to be obedient in the big things and in the small things. And uh, kind of take our cue from this prophet that, you know, we can do extremely well in 9 out of 10 areas. But if, if we don't uh, follow everything that the Lord specifically told us to to the T, then... There's going to be some consequences to that. Yes, God gives grace, but uh, sin has consequences. So I would just encourage you all today that you know, if there's any area in your life where uh, you're not following the Lord in, uh, and it's something you know that you need to let go of, or something you know that you need to do that you haven't done, I would encourage you to do that thing because... If you're not faithful in the little things, you're not going to be faithful in big things. So I just want to encourage you today to, to do that thing or get rid of that thing, whatever it is. Hope you guys have a blessed day.
wanna be emptied inside. You wanna be someone laying down your pride. You wanna be someone someday. Lay it all down before the king. Oh yeah. You wanna be whole. Purpose and insight. You wanna have virtue. And purify your mind. You wanna be set free today. Lay it all down before the King. Oh yeah, this is my desire. This is my This is my desire to be used by you. You want to be real. Wanna be emptied inside, and I know my heart is to feel you near, and I know my life is to do your will. It's to do your will. This is my desire. Thank you for listening to Transformation Radio.